Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Post Analog Podcast for Generation X. The Post Analog Podcast. Here we are again. Yay! For you listening, Erica and I are going to be talking about um, our careers, our previous careers, and where we're at. And um, we have an interesting article um, in the spirit of why you shouldn't hold yourself back. And uh, for like for the sake of wellness for people that are older, right? That's right. So um, I'll talk about my stuff after Erica. So post high school. Post high school. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because I started very young when I was working. Right. And touched lightly, I guess, if you can set that up till 18. And then we'll discuss uh, your career un- until where you're at right okay. now. Okay. So, well, I won't even go... I, I'll I'll even go back just a little bit. Uh, started working at the age of five. Oh, <laughs> fuck! <laughs> but you know, I mean, that's just hey, you know, family. That's your story. That's my story. You know, dad had uh, my dad in the military, cleaned houses. We had to clean the houses. Who got the money? Definitely not the kids. <laughs> so my career started at that point. Also. Just moving forward, paper route with my sister. Hated the paper route. Hated it. Were you on a bike or were you walking? On a bicycle. Mm. And it would rain in Sacramento. But my mom would drive us when it rained. Hated that job. We did that for a few years as well. Uh, Fast forward, yeah, I worked through high school. I had to work because my mom was a single parent. She was going through a divorce. My dad wasn't giving her any money. At that time, she was making $1.65 an hour. Okay, so it tells you four kids at $1.65 an hour, just not pulling any money. So we had to work and make our own little money to buy our clothes. What would that equate to today? Oh, God. $1.65, um, maybe I'd like 12 s- bucks an hour, 16 No, no, no. I would say about um, maybe 5 or $10 at the most. It was, yeah, it was rough. It was very rough. I mean, you know, we talked about that before. Um, so, yeah, so that was, you know, fine. We, you know, made our way. It, it built character in all of us. Um, then after that, of course, in high school, I worked, uh, you know, just just kid jobs, you know, just I didn't work at a fast food place. I never wanted to think I just didn't want to. My sister did. My other siblings did. Never had a desire to do that. College years going into college. What is the best way to make money? Work in bars because you make tips and you made a lot of money in tips. At least I did. <laughs> I worked that role very well. So I bartended for quite a few years and I cocktail waitress for quite a few years it was a lot of fun um, did a lot of drinking during my cocktail years you do your shots because it helped you through the night and um, I, I have to be honest I really had a lot of fun when I was cocktailing it wasn't a bad job it was just it was just fun you partied there was music there were people they had your regulars and you always made great money it was after that that you had to come to the real world that you had to realize I had to find a real job because I can't be waitressing in my 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s or 70s and 80s. You just you just don't go down that path, right? Be flow. <laughs> I couldn't be flow. Did not want to be flow. And I knew people that, that were in, at that time when I was in my 20s, they were in the 30s and 40s and they were waitressing and I thought, ah, I can't do that. So um, I waitressed, went to school, but my passion at the time, Charles is coughing and dying here. Let's give him a breather here for a second. <laughs> Poor guy. I had a baby Ruth before Erica came. And now I have a caramel nugget 
in my throat. <laughs> How old were you when you decided to leave the restaurant industry? I was not until my 30s because I was doing music. I wanted to do music. So that's how I was supporting my career. And I dropped out of school at the time as well. I wanted to do music, so I did music and I worked in bars and I want, that's what I did. Because gigs didn't pay a whole lot of money, so I needed an income. And that's working in bars gave me that income. Reality hits when you, like I said, you can't be in your 30s and 40s waiting on tables because uh, your tips are made. I hate to say this, that's how it was then on your looks and your personality if you can flirt. And I had that. So I. Erica is a mixed Latin woman. <laughs> she is mixed up. Right? Yeah, she's mixed. Yeah. German and Spanish. So I've got, yeah, it's mixed. Love those. <laughs> I'm you sure still- your boyfriend loves that too. <laughs> yes, he does. Right? <laughs> um, Okay, so back to the story and sure. just briefly again, I'm just I'm just h- hitting on some highlights because sure. I think what happens in in careers, I don't call it a career. It's just a path that you you journey on. You just don't know uh, when you're younger. Maybe some people who have a goal and in, in mind. I really didn't, except for music at the time. What did you have a goal in mind when you were really young that you were going? Well, we talked about this radio. Sure. Um, primarily, it was both music and radio uh the music and i was a little bit confused i thought i would be like quincy jones uh um like the producer oh um i love working on a mixing board Mm -hmm. so as far as for radio i love being in charge of featuring music interviewing people and talking to people Mm -hmm. but in regards to Music. I just like being in the industry. I didn't mm-hmm. know if I wanted to become um, a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, I was even, I went to the Berkeley School of Business for like one semester. Oh, really? Turned out it was not for me. It's just paperwork and mm-hmm. filing. It was too binary for mm-hmm. me. Um, but yeah, that's a case of me wanting to do that. And then I got derailed. Were you done already with a little bit of your synopsis? Yeah, just a little bit. It just kind of gives you an idea. Like the, I'll call it the the younger years. You're just you're just trying to find your path because you really don't know. You just hope that something pans out. And with music, it actually some things did pan out. I just did not have, as we talked before, the confidence or the support in the support network in my in my uh, back to help me get to that place. And it was just it was really a struggle for me. Plus. Um, at that time, we didn't have the hashtag Me Too movement, so there was a lot of issues with people always hitting on me and wanting to have sex in, in return of favors and stuff, and I just didn't want to go down, down that path. Which still happens today, Me Too or not. Yeah, it, it's and tough. I just didn't want to go down that path. It was disgusting to me. I said, well, like, I'm not going to sell myself out to that because I, I felt like I was good enough on my own, and if you believed in me, then you're going to believe in what I have to offer as far as my voice and what I have, you know, as far as music. So that, that path was like, no, I'm not doing that. I had a lot more dignity within myself, integrity about that. It's interesting because if you listen to our past um, episodes, you know, uh, Eric and I don't have the white picket fence past, Mm-mm. but I feel before I even get into mine, a lot of the struggle we encountered, we got used to struggle. Yeah. Instead of sticking to the goal or working around the struggle where someone who is Erica mm-hmm. 2022, who is, let's say, 17 through 20, 
everyone's story is shared. Everything, uh, there's resources out there to find out how people made it, whether mm-hmm. if it's how I built this, the podcast, mm-hmm. Oprah Winfrey mm-hmm. interviews, whoever, you know, because mm-hmm. everyone's podcasting and talking about life. But because you and I had such, though it's a kinship for me, mm-hmm. such like a harder path mm-hmm. in our youth, um, we got used to shooting for something, but we attack plan B because there's so much so much rambunction happening in our lives. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we move here. Oh, we got to move to another place because this is incredibly tough and happening. Yeah. Oh, we're doing this for six months. Oh, we got to change because it's too much. It's too tenuous. So therefore, we go with another route. Yeah. And I'm learning that there are a lot of people our age group and older that's what they encountered. And I feel like people who are much older than us who are probably already past or 70s, 80s and up, Mm -hmm. the greatest generation or whoever's surviving from the silent generation, Mm -hmm. they were forced by war. Mm -hmm. Just do that. We experienced this pandemic, which is nowhere near like the Spanish flu in a sense of the alternatives of what to do mm-hmm. during a lockdown. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine what a lockdown would have brought mm. back then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe they're a little bit more accustomed to not doing much, mm-hmm. but to go from that extremity of hard work that don't work mm-hmm. is pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, like you and I, we're fortunate to even be functioning and doing this to guide us into what the next step is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, there's still, I would say at minimum an endemic. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, but you know, in the moment, uh, live to tape, listening to what you went through for me, I started working at the age of 14 when we moved out here, when my dad and his first wife opened up, a high life burger in Sun Valley on like Glen Oaks and Sunland. Mm -hmm. So knowing that it was my dad's first, my mom was the only, the other woman. Yeah. My dad and mom weren't even married then. Yeah. And I was learning how to make onion rings and Mm -hmm. fry them, make (laughs) zucchini fries. I was the scumbag kid on a break. I would mix strawberry cheesecake, Ice cream and and butter pecan, making mm-hmm. myself a large milkshake, which is why I'm <laughs> diabetic now. Son of a bitch. And, Thanks, Dad. <laughs> and, and I got along. There was a gang called Trece Vineland, Vineland, mm-hmm. Trece mm-hmm. Vineland, mm-hmm. and another gang. Uh, I got along with both gangs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I I just talk to them yeah i was so curious i didn't know i was literally that kid that oh what's in the um alligator's mouth oh alligator oh look at your mouth wow alligator i literally put my head in the alligator's mouth but i guess they found it kind of charming because no one they would people would be fearful of them and don't get me wrong i'm not saying i was tough yeah I was just curious to see other people. Yeah, yeah. So that was challenging for me. And that's, again, like our background of growing up. 
it's like, well, we're used to being te- in a tenuous position. So even though I'm not supposed to like my dad's first wife mm-hmm. and uh, pseudo with my head low because my mom's the other woman mm-hmm. and then his son is helping out. Yeah. That's uncomfortable. What the fuck? Yeah. But I was like a BBW, mm-hmm. big, beautiful woman with cankles that mm-hmm. look like Hawaiian rolls. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I'm beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm going to be here because I'm going to have pastrami sandwiches that I make, mm-hmm. milkshakes that I make. And there's something about that blue pill that I took mm-hmm. innocently <laughs> because I felt good to be working. Oh, did it? At, at, really? Okay. It felt good to be working. And I was hanging out with my dad because my dad, as I mentioned in the past episodes, yeah. I would see him like one or two hours Monday through Thursday. He would fuck my mom every other day mm-hmm. and then that was it friday saturday sundays he was with the the main family air quotes yeah yeah so yeah. it was good it was a good time to be with him yeah i graduated high school at 16 worked at the uh the baby gap that no gap kids <laughs> and the glendo galleria i forgot about that place. my god oh, i forgot jeez and the main reason why I wanted to work there, there were like good looking white girls, black girls. It was like a potpourri of vagina. Mm-hmm. Did not get to sleep with any of them. <laughs> but just being around that was like incentive. Yeah. I was like 16 and a half. That's hilarious. So That's yeah. I, and, 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 and then I ended up being a photographer at Universal City Walk. Mm. Worked at ePublic Eye, which was the origins of Yelp. Oh, so I didn't even know that. This wow. Is, this is like circa 93. Mm-hmm. And then I just wanted to get, I worked at Eddie Bauer for several years. Um, Sports Chalet in Burbank for mm-hmm. like a year and a half. So I was the odd job guy mm-hmm. until 27, which will be another episode. Yeah. But by the time I graduated college with a degree, I went to Cal State Northridge. I was 27 and a half. By the time I graduated with a degree in marketing and art, radio howled like a wolf. Mm. It was just constantly howling. And then I knew I should have stuck to that in my 20s. Yeah. I'm going to backtrack and do a Pulp Fiction thing. What happened in my 20s was my mom got viral meningitis. So my brother, myself, and my dad had to pay a debt. And if we could knock it out in four years, though we knocked it out in almost three, we save like 70 grand. Wow. That's amazing. So from 20 to 24, I was working at Eddie Bauer, um and Sports Chalet, and also if I wasn't working at Sports Chalet, I was temping at offices. Eddie Bauer was a constant 20 to 25 hours, and the other 30, because I worked about 50 hours, were temp jobs or other retail jobs. And so when I hear something like that, what you're explaining to me and to everyone, when you have that, it, it's not so much an ambition, but you, it was a goal, you guys had a goal as a family because you had to knock that debt down, right? It's amazing because that means that tells a lot about your work ethics, your character. And I 
think that's interesting because this is another discussion we can have down the road. Have values changed when people are looking for jobs now? The work ethics, is has it changed drastically compared to what we had to do? When you had to do it, you had to do it. There was just no question. You had to work, you had to work, right? You yes. You for your mom's sake, you had to pay that debt down. You do it. Right? You just do it. There's just no, there's no, there's no, well, I don't feel like it. Uh, I'm sure there's something better out there. I'm, I'll wait. <laughs> Waiting doesn't work. Not, not in that time. Not at all. Now maybe it might be different. People still living with their parents. Well, you know, lots of people are, but <laughs> sure. <laughs> what I'm saying is it's just a different approach because I think when you're at that, when you are pushed and this is what's going to make it so interesting with you and the career and your podcast and stuff and everything you do because you've already faced those I'll call them those well movies. this is still our podcast yeah so but I'm just saying this is still something that it just shows that the dedication that you have if you can go through stuff like that you can do anything you really can but but that's our makeup for yeah, our generation yeah, yeah. that we need to pass and hopefully we have older millennials to even older Gen Zers that can go Oh, it is hard work. Yes, it is hard work. Yes, it is hard work. It's, it's, it's mentally laborious also. Yeah. So that that's where, you know, it's good for us to unpack our story for the listener too, because I know with you, mm-hmm. my God, a lot of people end up being lifers in the restaurant mm-hmm. or the nightlife. Yeah, that's right. Hospitality. I'm not judging that no, because yeah. I, I know a guy that moved to Las Vegas in 1996 mm-hmm. has a newly renovated house he hasn't he didn't renovate it mm-hmm. he had the house from 1998 and just renovated it during the pandemic oh. <laughs> so it, it, it's like mr furley to uh-huh. fucking jake paul that's how it looks now <laughs> and all his kids are out of the house um and he worked at a hotel he started as a valet, then managed the whole fucking valet ecosystem mm-hmm. for two hotels. Wow. Yeah. I'm not going to knock that. No. But maybe you can share, like, could did, did you at one point see or know in hindsight, mm-hmm. oh, this bartender is going to be a lifer or this waitress is going to be a lifer or, yeah. you know what, yeah. I could have easily become a lifer. Easily. And one of the, the some of the signs that you find has to do with habit okay so i think like with, any, with anything that you do uh it becomes a habit and you become comfortable uh like i said if you're if you are in the uh, i'll call it when cocktail waitressing or bartending you have a lot of fun i'm not going to say sit here and say you don't have fun we had a lot of fun and you had a group of people you liked working with and you had you had this routine of drinking you know, doing shots at night and you're buzzed as you're waiting on tables and stuff. Not, you know, we're not telling the manager, of course, we're doing the shots. We take them on a tray, go into the bathroom and do in the stall, come back out sure. and clean out the bathroom at the same time, all the empty glasses in there as well. But you do that it becomes a routine. And then the women that I saw there, they really, the only, the only thing I could say that was separated me from what they were doing was they... I think in their mindset, this is what they were going to do. That was it. They didn't have another idea of, well, I'll try something else unless it got injured. You got injured from carrying the trays or that happens. And then all of a sudden you find yourself, what am I going to do? Right? So in that, in that case, for me though, when I watched and I saw the women and I saw them getting older, cause they were, I said like 10 years older than I, than I was at the time. And you're like, oh hell, this is too hard of work. This is too hard. You're on your feet. 
You're dealing with That's drunks. what they were saying. No, that's what I was saying. I oh, was that's what watching you were saying. them and I and I could see it on their face and they were tired and their backs were hurt. And I'm like, oh hell no. <laughs> just I'm not doing that. I know I just gotta put myself go back to school, gotta get a degree, and I gotta get out of this because I can't do this. I cannot do this for the rest of my life. And you can't. Some people can, but it's just too it's 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 just too hard of a life. You know? But that's all they knew. But that's all they knew. And that's what I'm saying. So when, when people do that, there's nothing wrong with it because people are, are providing for the families. And God, I cannot imagine working in uh, a bar, a restaurant, and during COVID, and that just, they're, they're, it's gone. It's gone. It's there one minute. You have your tips because you, you live on your tips. You get them every day. Then nothing. Yeah, oh. and that's two-thirds of the income. When, when you say, um, I did... I did, um, was a promoter mm-hmm. for like events also. And the weird thing is I kind of felt like I was parallel to that nightlife because I would count the money mm-hmm. at the end of the night. And, you know, you end up uh, throwing events like for half a year at one place. You get to know the waitresses mm-hmm. or the managers and you hook up. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, that was the other thing. Yeah, you you hook up, you go to these. <laughs> the hookup culture <laughs> yeah. in in the restaurant mm-hmm. bar, and even I would say hotel. I dated someone who worked at a hotel mm-hmm. in L.A., not Las Vegas, because mm-hmm. that's a different story. Mm-hmm. That's like, yeah, on ten. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's easy because. When you fill the brain with dopamine because you're like, you're working hard, you're getting tips. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, I'm hooking up with like good looking people. Yeah. And then there's the customer aspect. Yeah. That you could possibly meet and hook up with. It's like, oh shit, well, this is cool. Mm -hmm. And then your brain thinks this is the life. Yeah. And, but you get to that point when you realize, and I'm not sure what what point you saw maybe something different you said well no i I can't continue this path where you decide like uh, as i mentioned in the last podcast i had a lot of sex right because i did i had a lot of partners because i thought i was a maniac but boy this one (laughs) because of the environment you know you're in that environment you can i could pick and choose i'm you know i'm the woman i could pick and choose and and i did and so but that's a that's a point where you start realizing i can't sustain this type of living the rest of my life and i didn't want to it was fun though while while, oh, while you're doing fun. it oh yeah. my god I mean when I had my first real job I'm like I can't do this was it an office job it was an office job okay yeah, yeah that that's my interpretation of a, a real like, job too because I worked in retail yeah I'm like this is not a motherfucking job <laughs> I was like oh shit. I need a desk yeah 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 or a cubicle yeah that's the start of life. Well, that's what they call a real job, right? So that's for our generation. Yeah, for our generation, that's a real job. You get a nine to five benefits, right, and all the the good little perks and stuff. <laughs> it's just like, oh yippee! <laughs> right, look at me. I'm one up in society now. Yeah, I made it. I'm it, on my path. <laughs> in the South East Indian caste system, you scumbags, fucking. Mm. Blowing, I'm being really yeah. racial and fucking degenerate here. Blowing a flute, uh, controlling a cobra. Well, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. I'm in the upper caste now. That's right. You know, so yeah, and I feel even today it's still addictive. The entertainment, mm-hmm. uh, hospitality life, because I've met people. I used to work also for. Uh, the Roger Barkley Community Center. I was an office manager there. 
for like four years, four and a half years. Mm-hmm. Megan, the activities director, used to work for one of those cruise ships. Oh, geez. And you're just there for like four months straight. Yeah. So you can imagine the cocksuckery mm-hmm. that happens in there. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would, she would relay stories about like, oh yeah, like, oh, oh, you must have slept with John because you now got the clap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it's pretty amazing. But I think what gets highlighted on LinkedIn, Indeed, friends who are narcissistic is they stuck to one thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not even a defense thing when I, at least for me, when I say this, like I'm happier because I'm me, mm-hmm. it's because I don't know that path. Yeah. That is so unfamiliar. It There's no way I could be in that path and I would probably watch myself be unhappy. Yeah. For some reason. Yeah. So you're, you're agreeing. So is that well, well, something? I'm, I'm agreeing because um, one of my jobs, one of my previous jobs, and I won't go into the company. Sure. Name, I used to do background investigations. Okay. And so I did it for a government contract. Job. Job. This is a job. job. job uh, wow. Where you get a security Look clearance. You. you get all this stuff, right? And so what's interesting about that is when you're interviewing people who are looking for jobs, let's say at Northrop Grumman, Raytheon, these are really, you know, government contractors that need this background clearance in order to get a security clearance in order to work for the company. And you ask, you go through their job history. And the one thing that I, I would sit there sometimes so sad, Charles, so sad because I sit there I'm like, and the reason why I was sad, I'll tell you why. You would have the history of these people who didn't have to work when they went to college. Because they had people support oh. them, and they didn't have to go and work at a, um, you know, a bar or some nightclubs or anything. They didn't have that. They had the support. They just all they had to focus on was their school and their education. They had mommy and daddy or whoever I don't know giving them the money to do that. And I would sit there, and my heart would sink. I'm going, this is what it looks like to have that type of support and not have to go through this shit jobs and deal with all these people that you know sometimes are really crappy and i used to sit there going god i wish i had that i really did i at one point i was just like wow don't and they didn't realize how lucky they were they could do that i didn't do that you didn't do that we had to go through the mud we have to go through these odd end jobs just to make a living just to help the family do something and hopefully get us to the direction that we want to go eventually in our path, right? I mean, is that something? Absolutely. Right? Um, I went to Hoover High School, so it's interesting how I'm on the south side of Glendale and the north side of Glendale. The people who live in the north side of Glendale had the white picket fence. Yeah. But I had some friends that I hung out with who were taught really well not to act the income that you come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've said this name several times on previous shows, live on air. The Dr. Bronner soap. Mm-hmm. I was friends with Michael Bronner and got to know his older brother, David Bronner. Mm-hmm. Um, they all went to Ivy League schools, Brown, Harvard, and I forget the other university. All East Coast mm-hmm. Ivy League schools. So down to earth, Erica. Mm-hmm. I mean, the mom was the sweetest motherfucker I've met. Dr. Bronner... Um, I I could tell when being introduced to him, he tried to give a shit, but just really couldn't give a shit because uh-huh. he's running this soap manufacturing mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. Oh, hi, Charles. Like, made <laughs> eye contact. Uh-huh. 
so nice to meet you and walk the fuck away. Mm -hmm. But those five seconds that he gave me Mm -hmm. was not disingenuous. Okay. You know what I mean? It's just, dude, you're an underling. Yeah. You're, you're my son's friend. Yeah. I'm going to give you a warm handshake. Yeah. But I got shit to do. Okay. Different mindset there. Mm -hmm. So let me give props to the Bronner family. Yeah. Yeah. But I can't, be friends with people or be associated with people who who are not aware of the gifts that they have. Ooh. And that oh. that's my biggest problem. It that started in my 30s. Okay. So people in the workplace like that, and this is my fault. Mm-hmm. I automatically automatically thought uh this person's a dickhead. Yeah. Fuck you. I'm not going to be friends with you. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you attitude. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, so th- that's one of my failures in the workplace mm-hmm. where the moment I knew, well, granted, a lot of them were that persona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I okay, you want some venom? Well, mm-hmm. I, I'm well read, so mm-hmm. let's go at it. Mm-hmm. What do you want to talk about? Yeah. You know, so that's a failure on my end. But to answer your question yeah. in a long-winded way, <laughs> what brought me back to radio was uh, watching the movie Almost Famous. Oh, wow. Okay. It was about um, lightly on, God, what is his name? Uh, you know, it was like the feet, uh, a reporter covering Jefferson Airplane and going mm-hmm. on tour with them. Mm-hmm. And then I forgot the journalistic aspect. Yeah, yeah. And that's where everything started kicking in, where I ended up working for a record label. Yeah. And then ran, helped run my friend's label while I was uh, doing on air at uh, part-time on Saturdays at Satellite Radio. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of like me peppering my journey. Yeah. So that's what brought me back. But by the time you and I met, it was really tough for people in their mid, early 30s to mid 30s to be a wealthy mm-hmm. lifer in radio. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. you know... They almost look at it like the Super Bowl. Is this talent the legacy group Mm -hmm. that we can feature on the Super Bowl? Mm -hmm. That's what radio stations would think of. But it's an exciting time right now because whether if you're a stand-up comedian, you're a doctor, and if you host your own podcast, by affiliation with that podcast, you and I co-hosting, we're giving each other this energy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's an energy that happens between the microphone. There's an energy behind the listener. They go, these are my people. Yeah. And then it just keeps going into something big and good. Mm-hmm. So it's a good time right now. And if it weren't for me watching Almost Famous, mm-hmm. uh, I think I would have just stuck in like marketing and sales. I would have been probably oblivious, but but also blissfully happy. Mm-hmm. Probably would have had two kids. I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Charles. <laughs> I'd, I'd be like easy E, maybe two kids with two different women. Okay. I could see that. That That's fair. Right? Yeah. And then I'd raise the siblings together and then have them subliminally before they go to bed. Your mom's a piece of shit and I'm the best fucking parent you have. Oh, God. Your dad loves you eternally and you should love me back in case I get Guillain-Barre or dementia when I'm older. 
kids say you're gonna fucking take care of me and the kids are gonna say yeah fuck you <laughs> <laughs> sure right, right but yeah that that's you know partial to why we're even doing the pod right mm-hmm. there's 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 an energy mm-hmm. that happens between the microphones and and listenership and and hopefully you know uh for you who's listening, you know, there, there are options that Erica and I do eventually want to talk about. But let's, but, but let's, I do want you to share a little bit of, a little bit more of, because you are a creative. You are a singer. Yeah. Yes, okay. Yes, you yes. are a creative. Mm-hmm. You are a singer. You are an entertainer. Mm-hmm. Did it get lost were you because I completely forgot about mm-hmm. radio for I want to say like eight years mm-hmm. wasn't even in the back of my mind mm-hmm. till I saw almost famous yeah so was there a point where you just completely blocked it out music yeah so what happens with um uh music and, and just so people are aware of what type of music I was doing jazz and jazz is not your music where you're going to go out there and fill concert halls of 50,000, hundred thousand people. And jazz to me has been always interesting because, um, there's nuance to it. It's like life. I look at life this way. There's so much to life. And you, if you miss it, if you miss the subtleties, you really do miss it. It's that moment when you're looking at someone that you really care about, that you love and you say, I love you. It just takes that one second and you're looking in their eyes and you have that connection. That's jazz. That's why I loved it. And that's why I had such a passion for it. But what happened or what threw me off was constantly, as I mentioned before, you get, I, I booked the gigs. I rehearsed the group. I wrote the charts. I uh, transposed the charts. I did everything I did right with music. And I got to the point, I had a boyfriend that was in music and we broke up and it broke my heart. And I just kind of went my way. He did his own thing. And that kind of like threw me off for quite a few years because I had a really, um, I really, really cared about that individual. Um, and I messed up. I fucked up because <laughs> I fucked somebody else. Okay. I fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> but anyhow. Some French fries for the burger for you who's listening. Exactly. So what ends up happening is you, you go and you, you're passionate about doing it. And I loved it. But then my family steps in and they say to me, what are you going to do? You can't do this. You just do it for fun. Yeah, go ahead. Do it for fun. And those are the voices that talk into your head already. And so what makes it harder for you, if you're a creative and someone else is saying that, and you don't know how to defend back to that. And you're kind of thinking, you I guess they're all right. I've, I've got to, you know, yeah, I got to go back to school, which I did. And the irony is when I, right before the semester I was supposed to start school at CSUN and I was doing business management information systems, that was my degree, something I absolutely don't like. And I absolutely hate to this day, but you plowed through, but I plowed through and I got my degree. But the irony was I went, the, the semester before I was supposed to start, I went into a, uh, a club and I, the, the club closed and they had this after hour jam session and I sat in and sang. And this guy says, you know, our person just uh, wasn't able to go to Japan. Would you be interested in singing in Japan for the next uh, a couple of weeks for right before Christmas? And I'm like, sure. Went there, had a great, you know, outing, fun, great music. And then on the way back, there was a group saying, hey, you know, we need a singer here in Japan. We have a lot of shows. And I said, I can't do it. I've got to go back and finish school. And that's what derailed me right there. We, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question as far as, you know, did I do the right thing? At that time, I did the right thing that I thought was the right thing. But what happens to creatives, and if you're listening and you're a creative and you have this energy... You really need to hold on to that. And I still have not let go of that dream. It's still there. It's still in the back of my mind. I still want to do something with it. I don't care if it's recording one or two songs and throwing it on 
um, you know, on the YouTube or whatever, just get it out there. But you lose, you don't lose that passion. It's always there. It's always nagging you. It's going to always be there to the day you die. And I think the thing that is most important for people like you, Charles, as well, and me and anyone who's creative, you want to make sure that you don't let that music or song or that subtlety die in your heart because sure. there's no turning back. You can't, you can't turn back the hands of time or anything like that. You just got to continue to do it. So regardless of your age, you got to do it. And the other thing, the last thing I'm going to say, and I'll throw this back to you, is having a job the same as having a career, as having a passion. Because to, to me, those are three different things. Job. Sustenance. Okay. For the life. Career. Sitting in the cubicle thinking you're making it. Yay. Right? Passion. What's passion? Yeah, for me, passion is something that you... You always want to do, yeah. Regardless of situation, um, I would have done the same thing you would have done. You want to know why? Because we were raised in the same generation. Yeah, it's the eight to five mentality. Yeah, and also, but to refresh on you, my former co-host Zach, he was interning for Fox Sports Radio in Sherman Oaks. Mm-hmm. Jay Moore was the host he was interning for. They offered him a gig to be part of the staff. I don't know what if he was editing or what, answering, being a producer, editing the phone or running the board. But Jay Moore was saying it on air. They're like, Zach, why are you worried about school? Mm-hmm. This is why you're going to school. Okay, yeah, okay. We're offering you a position. Mm-hmm. And Zach did not want to take the position because he wasn't done with school and Mm -hmm. I think he was like 21 or 22 Mm -hmm. and instead of me harping on Zach Mm -hmm. I've been in that position before Mm -hmm. I fucked up even in my 30s where I interviewed this uh, MMA and wrestling legend Boss Rutan Mm -hmm. oh okay he spoke to me after and he said dude I love what you do with your interviewing yeah do you want to produce my podcast? <laughs> and I thought immediately of Joe Coy. Uh-huh. Joe Coy said, I could have been part of Chelsea Handler's uh, panel group, but I would have been in that position and I could have no longer pursued my stand-up com- comedy. Mm. Mm. You know, um, he was offered a full-time position, ironically, in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. To be a valet. Oh, jeez. Man, you and I should have been fucking valets and just <laughs> you saying and I podcasted in Vegas. <laughs> Fuck. Um, and it was like at that time in the early 2000s, close to like 90, 90 grand, which is a lot of money yeah. then. Yeah. Sustainable money. Yeah. Let me just put it as that. Yeah. In the Las Vegas life system. Yeah. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. You can buy a house. Yeah. Have, a, have two cars. Mm-hmm. Raise your son. Mm-hmm. No problem. Yeah. Fuck girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Charles always has to mention vagina. Um, so I was also interning for the Jason Ellis show on Sirius XM Faction. What I, I stayed an extra two, three hours after I was they were giving me their credit cards. The producer, Jason Ellis, they're like, could you pay for this bill? This, 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 this. I went to his home 
picked up his truck, mm-hmm. dropped it off, mm-hmm. stayed there and got like parts fixed. And I mean, they were literally giving me everything. Yeah. And there was like production talk I could hear. But I did not want to be a producer. Yeah. I could have been, I could be a producer now. Mm-hmm. Easily. But on-air talent is my main goal. And if it if I have to wait another five years even from now, yeah. then I'm going to wait because yeah. that's what I want to do. That's the only thing that I've learned from the youth. Mm-hmm. They just do it. Yeah. yeah. Now, so that, that's a great thing on their end. Yeah. And that's the thing like um, the, the thing that we were reading on the internet that you had it was uh talking about you know you, you go into linkedin a lot i mean at least at least i do because i look for jobs <laughs> still looking for jobs and i asked the same question to myself well, what am i looking for what is it that am i looking for what am i trying to do what am i trying to accomplish because the question always comes back to and it's again it's something uh that i i'll have to ask myself and ask you do you understand yourself I'm understanding myself better, but you know, there are habits and I'll let you peruse through that mm-hmm. and grab the mic real quick. You know, there, there's a lot of things that you know yourself, but there, there are things that you're going to do because it's just your personality. Mm-hmm. Whether if it's like, oh, well, I'm supposed to be tired, but you know, I've been craving Thai food. So mm-hmm. instead of working out, I'm just going to grab mm-hmm. Thai food because that's what I want to reward myself with because I've been taking care of my brother and my mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I should be at either Monterey Park or NoHo 24-Hour Fitness because they have bags and they're open 24 hours. But nope, I'm going to have late night Thai food. So th- there are things that I'm learning that if I do so much discipline in six days, day seven, mm-hmm. I'm going to blow my brains out if I don't do something what's perceived to be salacious. Yeah, like a or, cheat day. Right? Or a reward system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even a cheat day. It's like, it's a reward, yo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For what you've been doing. Yeah. It could like, be a cheat day, but I look back, even if it's as recent as four days ago, then I go, you know what? Why not? I'm going to have an all meat burrito so at least it's low carb mm-hmm. on a Tuesday evening. Mm-hmm. I did that after I worked out. Yeah. So that's a part of understanding yourself is knowing what, uh, what you allow yourself, uh, basically a day where you reward yourself. My question is going to come back again, though, from understanding who you are or what your goal is. As I mentioned, you can have a career, you can have a job, you can have a passion, and it's understanding that about yourself. What do you understand about yourself in those areas? What like again you can have a career or a job just to sustain yourself to get to that point where you want to be the question I have to always draw a line to and this will be something that I I always I wanted to ask you when do you draw the line and say you know what I just really need to focus at this point on really what I want to do because I know who I am I know I understand that this is something I've always wanted to do and I just want to do it now um I I take inspiration from art so I've seen the movie True Grit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you seen it? No, I, I've heard about it. I have, I have to see this movie now. The ending isn't positive, mm-hmm. but the middle and towards the end shows tenacity. Okay? It, it, it's a Western for mm-hmm. you who's listening. Mm-hmm. And 
There's something about that I've learned through radio in SiriusXM and BBC Radio where they always need talent to pull out compelling stories from people who've made it. Mm-hmm. The one common thing is they didn't stop. It's about not stopping. You're going to experience bumps. You're going to want to quit. And I've quit and then come back. Yeah. But these people were successful. They just didn't stop. Yeah. So, you know, uh, as, you know, uh, beautifully said by you, you know, we have people out there who do want to change, not necessarily to be Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I want to be this director. Or all of a sudden, I want to be a, a rock tourist. Mm-hmm. But... You know, there is something about change that sometimes is, is needed just to break and add cadence to life. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have this article, which uh, maybe you can go through some of it already and yeah. So like one of take the, over. one of them I was talking about is the, the understanding yourself is something that you know you have to uh, look at and see now. The one thing in this article talks about in being in your forties or anything like that, you've had decades of work experience and all this behind you, but. It doesn't matter what age you are, because I think that exploration starts at a very young age. I think there are hints that start, that stem back all the way to your four, five, six, seven years old. There's always something back there that has somehow triggered a, a passion or desire to go a certain direction in our life. And we don't necessarily get that opportunity to understand who we are or what we're about. So that's something to to really, I think that it, it, it's any age group. It doesn't matter. It shouldn't ever be about age. If you could uh, cite the article real quick, the, he- the header and the... and, and the. Uh, so, yeah, uh, this is from U.S. News. Okay. And it's How to Change Careers at 40. Is there um, a, a writer? Peter A. I'm going to mess up his name. Goodmunds? Goodmunson? Yeah. L- let Goodmunson. me give it a try. Goodmunson. I'm going to fuck this one up. Is that I want to be German. Goodmunson? Goodmunson? Is that German? Willkommen im Out. <laughs> I'm German. I should know this. Good Munson? No, I, I don't know. That, so that could be Swiss that's or Scandinavian. Him that, that was an article back in July 26th of 2019, which was, you know, perfect timing right for, right before the pandemic where people were actually going to have to start reevaluating careers and what they need to do regardless of your age. So it's an interesting article. It talks about, um, again, determining your goal. was something that we were discussed before. And again, a goal could be something as minute as well I'm going to do this for the day today and then the weeks pass <laughs> right sure does that happen to you Absolutely. right you're like okay uh, I gotta go back to my goal some people do you write down goals do you write down what you want to do yeah I, I put it on the notes you do for, okay yeah okay so that's something I'm bad at I never wrote down my goals it, so, it's a game changer okay is it because you have to remember to look at the goals yeah because otherwise it'll just be stuck on your notes for you but it's a game changer like everything i need to do for my mom and my brother i have notes so i have short daily goals and career goals and life goals that's excellent they're they're always there i see and i i've always heard that those really helped and i had to be honest the only time i had goals written down was when i was in school when i had to accomplish game changer that's it game changer maybe that's what i'm missing game changer it's it's the constant okay it's the constant uh, bad devil on your shoulder that oh, goes, it? look at your good devil. It really does that for you? Because for me, it, okay. absolutely. A thousand percent. 
All right. And they're specific, right? Or are they? Well, because you feel like shit if you don't cross it off. Ah, I didn't even think about crossing it off. Right. If you don't do it Mm -hmm. here, if I, if I can borrow the phone here, here's my notes for today. Right. Take a look at this. Um, it's called LA list. Take a look at the Friday one. This is, it says fight untold IG. Friday, yeah, untold video for IG. And then underneath medical, that. Okay, Saturday, or the medical appointment of the medical group. Yep. Pet and, scan, schedule an Apple appointment, Saturday, yep. yeah. Yep, okay. so I have my goals, and then right on top of fight untold IG, mm-hmm. there's like a small subgroup, right? Uh-huh. If you could read like what it says. Which one, the Saturday, the one that's above it? This is Friday the, Infusion Center? There you go. So now I have my Infusion Center <laughs> reminders for my brother. Oh my God. <laughs> Wow, this is this is great. This is detailed. See, I'm learning something here, everyone, because I didn't write down my goals. Erica, if I don't oh. erase my goals for the day, yeah. I feel like shit, and I feel like a lazy pos. And this is this is okay. So this is great for everyone to listen to then, um, because this is something I have been just kind of would lazily look at and say, well, write down goals. Why do I need to write down goals? I want to do music. What well, what do I want to do exactly? So that's good. Okay, so okay, I'm learning something here, and I, I'm glad. Live in the moment. I, I'm, I'm I'm learning it, and here it says articulate your way, your why, and why you. So this is really good too. So the goal is specific, measurable, actionable. I want a better job, helpful goals, anything like that. I want twenty five million dollars, stuff like that. You know. Sure. <laughs> I net mean, right that's not n- gross n- net yes yeah. not post tax exactly and not paying out other people's yeah your agents and stuff like that so this is excellent articulate your way and why um be clear and concise this is it this is you see i'm learning i can't believe i'm learning on the spot like this this is great it, that's the beauty okay so yeah this is so now you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna have to go home and write down my goals and you here, should. You know what it is? Do you get afraid? Do you, are you afraid to write down your goals? Because I think the reason why I never Because I'm going to disappoint myself, yes. Yes. Because I'm going to disappoint myself. There you but go. But with a situation where your mom, dad, brother, son, and huh. then there's you, Yeah. I had to write it. It forced me to be organized. And if I don't knock out my, my big goals and small goals yeah. or knock out the small goals for the big goals, mm-hmm. I don't accomplish anything. It's forced me in, it sounds bad, but it's really good. It forces me in a military way to go, knock this out. Do this shit. Okay. Okay. Do this shit. Yeah. You're right. And you're right. Cause I do that with certain things like with, um, with goals, like, uh, paying down bills and stuff. I actually write down the goals. So I'm going to have this done by this and this is what exact I'm same do. thing then, but I haven't done it with my career. Do the same thing. Yeah. Do the same. Like, Look at what you're checking. Record with Charles Friday. Yeah. That, that's a big check mark. Yeah, yeah. And learn something from down. the pot. Yeah. But if you did, then then there's that dopamine in your brain where mm-hmm. you go, oh yeah, I knocked that out. Cool. Yeah. Went to work. Wasn't as depressed. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, left the podcast. The the traffic filled goddamn drive back to mm-hmm. to the valley. Didn't feel bad because I learned something. Check. You know, yeah. it, it, you have it's the small victories man that keeps me sane because i have a shitty situation yeah yeah that's right okay so that's like basically this is good because the next thing is assess your resources which is excellent because you are a resource now 
everyone needs a resource. I just learned something, like I said, powerful today, and I'm kicking myself all these years not doing it. But that's because, as I mentioned, I was afraid. I think writing down goals can be scary sometimes. And because you, look you at feel it, like you may not accomplish them. That's exactly it, and you feel like a failure already as it is with certain things and you're like oh if i you know i why even do that i don't want to disappoint myself even more here's where people fail is they write the big goals only okay you need the small goals because then you feel like dude i accomplished all of that Mm -hmm. fucking not yell at my mom do the laundry sweep the floor Mm -hmm. dude i have micro goals which makes me feel good there's a dopamine rush you get when you knock it out okay and then the cool thing with the note system you just copy and paste oh i'm gonna do that for saturday so i'm not gonna be too hard on myself yeah because i did this friday yeah yeah oh geez so when you so when you do your goals and you're you're going to do your research do you research certain things like if okay for example uh the board right you just got this new little device and stuff that you want to hook up is that one of the things you write down as a goal okay next week i'm gonna attempt yeah to i'm get gonna this. i'm gonna show erica okay. signal flow all right all right and that's where basically the next thing is take the plunge but only after reducing your risk risk so does that help you when you write the goals to reduce your risk does that help you see a, a an overall uh strategy plunge taking for me sometimes i'm immediate and i fucking batter battering ram it Mm -hmm. or i delay for a long time why because i'm scared okay okay so but mm -hmm. here's the thing the last 10 years all i've been doing is facing the problem because now I know when I'm delaying and pussyfooting, mm-hmm. I go, dude, this better come back with a strong volley because mm-hmm. you're preparing. Mm-hmm. It takes me, it took me like six months to go, should I just send back my mom to the Philippines? Mm-hmm. But I know someone with dementia, they're going to miss you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So for me, it's like, okay, my goal now, while I'm still pursuing all of this, my career I'm going to find maybe a remote jobs and at the same time I can care for my mom because she's improving with her dementia state. Yeah, yeah. So there are times where I'm scared whether if it's just asking a chick out. I'm fucking 46 and sometimes I get nervous asking a chick out. Hmm. Where I should be the fucking Asian Marlboro man. Yeah. (laughs) My cowboy boots. Foot on a rock. But but me reaching out to you and you took the plunge and you said like fuck it let let's see what happens. Well yeah, that's a big plunge. I, I guess so, and I guess with I think with things situations like that, and this is where we talked about this before in previous podcasts about I don't look at a uh, I, I'm not a, a religious person. Maybe spiritual is the best word I can describe myself as. I believe when you put things out, like when you're asking the universe, you're at that point in your life and you're going I there's got to be something else. There's got to be something more because I feel like I let this go. I let this go. Let that go. And that's why I haven't written the goals. I just, it just hit yeah, me right just, now. Just write it out and it then just you'll be right fine. Now. And then, and write it out when you're ready. Is there a time when you're ready or do you just do it? I don't believe in just do it. Just prepare to do it. The goals. Just prepare. So like for me, I pussyfoot on a lot of things and I do some things like in the moment. So it, that's just me being honest, right? And that's taking the plunge, basically? Yeah. Kind of a, at the right time or yeah. when you feel it's right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. But sometimes I micro-prepare. So there, there are situations where I plunge. Like, 
I'm going to go to the guitar center and I'm going to buy equipment because it's going to fulfill what I need to do for this project. I'm going to buy cameras. I'm going to buy lights. Uh, let me wait and gather my income. Six months later, yeah. boom. Yeah. But there are some things where, uh, like I just to show them pre-production, I showed you, mm-hmm. you know I have four mixers. Yeah. yeah. There's no need yeah. for me to have four mixers. <laughs> Yeah. There's no need. Yeah. But I do it because it's progressing. Yeah. For anything. And it's it's the part of this article also talks about basically what ends up happening is you get into a pattern or repeat. So just throughout your career you're going you want to conceive your goal um and how to adapt to it the real world situation like that and and part of this is interesting because of what COVID did to a lot of people, right? They threw a curve in their career and stuff because all of a sudden they found themselves sitting at home and then realizing, you know what? My job sucks. I hate my fucking job. And sure. I've been putting my dreams aside. I haven't done any of this. And so it's a perfect opportunity for many people now where they can actually decide what they really want to do. And here's the good thing. it There's so many success stories that I've read on Facebook where it wasn't their dream, but they decide, like in the Philippines, um, people decided to open up their own coffee houses. Mm-hmm. And it became, now this one girl has like 10 coffee houses. Wow. There, there was an ecosystem where, um, let's say within the city of Glendale, they started a Facebook group and they would barter. Oh. It was the most interesting thing, or at least self, mm-hmm. if not barter, sell like, hey, I made these egg rolls, yeah. buy a, a platter for this. And then I would see on the comments, okay, I'll give you three baked salmons for your tray of uh, lumpias and then game yeah done yeah it was amazing yeah but it's not what they want they they never dreamed yeah to be uh, a barista that owned their own coffee house yeah but you know it, it it's I think the most important thing aside from reading stuff like that mm-hmm. um, is whose energy are you around oh that that is point. big. That's huge. Actually, you're right. I agree with you on that. And I was around depressed energy. Yeah. Because imagine my brother gets an autoimmune disease. Yeah. My mom gets dementia. And then all of a sudden, they're both on fucking dialysis. Yeah. Yeah. I had to be depressed away from them. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I was ready, I plunge and go, guys, this is what the game plan is. Yeah. This is what we're going to do. Derek, you're with Kaiser. Guess what? You're going to you're gonna go to DeVita with mom. Mm-hmm. So that way it's one ride. Yeah, yeah. In the future, you may go, both of you may go into peritoneal dialysis. Mm-hmm. So that way you guys do your own dialysis at night. During the day, you're free to do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. You know, so, but it took months of depression. Yeah. And a lack of acceptance. Yeah. So, but... But that's what that note, I had those on, on two notes. The plan, the, the goals right there. And you're changing plans. And you're changing because you have to adapt as the world changes yes. and as everything happens. Again, as we talk about plunge. And then you plunge. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So, I mean, but this is like two grown adults minus like the whiskey <laughs> talking about like, oh, you're at happy hour. Yeah. Yeah. This is what essentially is. Yeah. Actually, yeah. You know, but you could be the complaining whiny adults yeah. who gets fucked up and then you finally go home to your wife and kids or you can go, how do we move up from this bitch? Yeah. Let's complain first. Yeah. Let's talk shit about our coworkers yeah. and then go, <laughs> how do we move up from this bitch? 
Well, it, bitch meaning the job. It's it's a saying that I it was Eleanor Roosevelt who said, and I love this quote. She basically said, um, "Great minds talk about ideas, right? People with average minds discuss discuss events, and then the small minded people discuss other people. So." We are basically moving, you know, we talk about people, great. We talk about events, great. But eventually what we talk about are ideas and how we, like I said, what I just learned from myself, how to implement a business plan for yourself, for your company, or for your goals, for your music, for your whatever you want to do. Like I said, that's just, that's just a slap in my face realizing, ooh, I got to, you know what? I got to be accountable for myself now. And this is good. I like this. It's why I loved the early Howard Stern because oh. he and Robin would be in the moment. You know, I just learned something. Yeah. Like they'd say it live. Yeah. Right? This is live to tape in TV terms. This is a podcast. It's on demand. But the beauty of like early Stern and Robin is they learn from each other and mm-hmm. would admit it on air. Yeah. Yeah. Now, of course, there's some dick jokes in between and <laughs> make poking fun at little people. <laughs> You know, but, you know, that was the beauty of um, that show. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you you pretty much knocked out the whole article then. Yeah, I did. I, I'm sorry. I just I got I just I just got greedy. No, no because no. I got I was thinking, oh, my God, you know, this it was so enlightening. And I'm really grateful for this. I'm not sure it showed on my face. If you could see the, the no, uh-huh, no, I, like, even though I, I have bad vision, I could see it. <laughs> the, the light bulb just went off in my head and the alarm yeah. went off. I'm like. Oh my God, I just, uh, how did I miss that? Or I just didn't want to admit that? Or was I afraid? All this stuff. This jujitsu interview show that I'm putting out, Mm -hmm. every interview had a light bulb moment. Wow. Yeah. Because I, you know, there's a lot of narcissistic interviewers who try Mm -hmm. to toss it back to them. Mm -hmm. But when when they get comfortable, the interviewees, I I was just like, oh, wait, what? She divorced you because of that? Mm -hmm. Wait. Your business partner did that to you? Mm-hmm. Or wait, your former black belt master kicked you off the team? Yeah. It was like, and it's the beauty of a live moment, mm-hmm. which I love, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But yeah, Erica, fantastic job today. Huh? Great job. Oh, well, that was just, like I said, I just, it was, a, a, I wasn't expecting it to go down that path. <laughs> It's like, whoa. But it's why like long form conversation is amazing. Mm -hmm. So anyways, it's Charles and Erica in the post analog podcast giving you the meat Mm. and the bones. (laughs) Not the corned beef. Well, depends. There's like bad Asian canned Mm corned beef mm -hmm. and there's delicious like Irish corned beef. Mm -hmm. I love that shit. I do too. Steak. Yeah, I do too. Potatoes. God. Cabbage. Love and dark. Actually, beer. cabbage over potatoes. Okay, dark beer. I have to have my dark beer. Mm. I didn't even celebrate um, St. Patrick's Day. I just wore a shirt. You did my green shirt. Yeah, that was it. I'm a Laker fan, so I'm a purple oh, and gold kind of guy. Yeah, no, that's another discussion. Don't right. make me cry. So, so yeah, <laughs> signing off the post analog podcast with Erica and Charles. Thanks. <laughs>
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.